Okay, so if kids want to head out to reach kids now, thank you. who reflects a perfect king, you, Lord Jesus. I ask that, that we would follow you, we would love you, we'd be more and more dedicated to you as our perfect king. Father, would you use this passage uh, to speak to our hearts, to free us from idolatry, to help us to worship, and to, to love you more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so, uh, we are starting a new series today looking at King Jehoshaphat. All right, so that's getting all of you excited, I can tell. King Jehoshaphat. Um, and this, the, the sermon is, is, this whole series, it's probably going to be about a month. Um, it's titled All In. All In. And that, that's kind of holistically what could characterize the, the rule of Jehoshaphat. He has his ups and downs, yes. But in the end, he is totally committed and all in, all about the worship of God. All right, so if you don't know anything about King Jehoshaphat, uh, which I bet most of you don't, um, I kind of didn't know much. <laughs> Pastor Chuck was like, we're going to Jehoshaphat. And I was like, okay, sounds good. <laughs> Where would you like me to look and pat that up? So, all right, King Jehoshaphat's story, it's, it culminates in, in chapter 20 of Second Chronicles. Don't turn there. Don't turn there. I know. You guys are all eager. Uh, chapter 20 of Second Chronicles. And what happens with King Jehoshaphat is he finds himself up against three armies. The armies of, of three nations. And he can see that it's totally hopeless. That he's against insurmountable odds. They are going to lose. That nothing he can do, none of his armies can stand up against these three. And so, what does he say? He says, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And he, this, this king, leads his people, not as an army, not with swords, but in worship. And they go singing to the battlefield, worshiping their God, crying out that he is faithful and that he's victorious before they even have any sight of how this God is going to win. And so they, they, they go out worshiping and praising the Lord, and the Lord wins the battle for them. That all they needed to do was worship. The rest was on him. And when we look at that story, I think we, we, see, we see what we want to be. We want to be those kind of people who in the midst of insurmountable odds and certain defeat can, can worship the Lord, can praise him, can be confident, and can trust that he is going to get the victory. 
Now, this series is going to look at, kind of the goal is to, to find out what, what created a, a man who could do that. How is he able to be that kind of king and lead his people in that way? And so we're going to look at, at kind of the, the backstory. Today we're looking at uh, 2 Chronicles 17. I know now everyone's turning. <laughs> and, and see how, how this man learned to trust the Lord like that. That the victory is not in the, victory, in the hands of, of his military, in what he can do, but in the, in the hands of the Lord. All right, so that's our goal. Um, before, before we jump in, though, before we jump in, I want to I give you some, some warnings. Some warnings. All right, we are reading an ancient Near Eastern text about the kings of Judah. Now, your immediate reaction is going to be, okay, what does this have to do with my life? What does this have to do with my life? And the most natural reaction is to say, okay, I compare myself to King Jehoshaphat. And the good things that King Jehoshaphat should, does, I should do those good things. And the bad things that King Jehoshaphat do, I shouldn't do those things. And then my life will be good. All right. That's a bad reading of, of Second Chronicles. That's a bad reading of the Bible. All right. You are not ancient Near Eastern kings. <laughs> and this book wasn't written so that you could be better kings of Judah. All right. I, I, hope, I hope we recognize that that's all true. Um, it's a little more complicated than that. Now, Jehoshaphat was, was a sinner like you and I are, and so there are going to be some parallels, but don't take that too far. All right, second warning. Second warning. You're saying, okay, well, if it's not about me, maybe it's about, maybe it's about the country. Maybe the parallel is between Jehoshaphat and King, uh, the king of Judah and America and our president. All right, please don't do that either. All right? This is a, over here is a, a theocracy. The people of God, the land of Judah, the chosen people. We are a democracy. We're a people of many religions. Like the, it's just not parallel. And the extent by which we make those two parallel, we are misreading the Bible. All right. So then the question is, okay, so how do I read this book? How do I read it then? When you see King Jehoshaphat, you should see King Jesus. That all of the kings in the line of David are pointing you forward to the ultimate king. And that we as the church, we're most parallel to Judah. We are the people, we are the kingdom. The kingdom of God right here. And we have a king, King Jesus, who rules over us. That is the parallel. And so, when we look at Jehoshaphat and we see the good things he does, that should point us forward to the good things that Jesus does, the better things. And when we see the failings of King Jehoshaphat, we should say, our king is not fallen like this king. We have a better king. All right? Deal? All right. Um, which is going to lead us to a, a different reading of this text. It might seem uh, initially less practical, but it's going to be true. And it's be something that, that you don't need to do, what Jesus has done for you. So, uh, overall, we're going to see in chapter 17, a king, a king who fights idolatry and who teaches the word of God. 
that that is what this king does. This is the king that, this is what makes Jehoshaphat this great king. Is that in the beginning, in the beginning, he fights all idolatry and he teaches the word of God. And we're going to see what the result of that is, is that there's great peace, there's great prosperity, there's great blessing for, for the people of God. For the people of God. Now we're going to see eventually that King Jehoshaphat, he falls into idolatry. He stops listening to the word of God and the whole nation goes to chaos. But for now, he's doing a pretty good job. All right, so let's turn to 2 Chronicles 17. 2 Chronicles 17. Does someone have the page number for that so we don't all have to be? 370, great, thank you. 2 Chronicles 17. Read with me. Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. He placed forces in all the fortified cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah in the cities of Ephraim that Asa, his, his father, had captured. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the earlier ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments, and not according to the practices of Israel. Therefore, the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah brought tribute to Jehoshaphat. And he had great riches and honor. His heart was courageous in the ways of the Lord. And furthermore, he took the high places and the Asherim out of Judah. All right, let's stop there. Let's stop there. So the first thing that makes a good king, a good king fights idolatry. He fights idolatry. Now, we're going to see that in Jehoshaphat, and we're going to see that in Jesus. So, look at, look at verse 17. Jehoshaphat, this is Asa's son, his, his son Asa, uh, reigned in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. He placed forces in all the fortified cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah in the cities of Ephraim that Asa, his father, had captured. All right, that probably doesn't mean much to you. So, let's break that down a little bit. Um, the most important thing here is that it says, he strengthened himself against Israel. He strengthened himself against Israel. Now, why is that such an important move for a king? Now, it sounds like it's a military thing. It's actually not. This is not a way of protecting his country from, from attack. It's a way of protecting his, his country from idolatry. Because Israel, Israel had fallen into idolatry. And Judah, his little kingdom, is now the only place in the whole world that worships, worships the true God, Yahweh. Israel, to the north, was ruled by King Ahab. And King Ahab had a wife, the princess of Sidon, Jezebel. And she'd come in, and she'd brought her gods with her. And she brought in Baal and the Asherah, these false gods, these, these idols, and made them the national religion of Israel. And we start to see Israel spiraling out of control. We see the murder and the deceit and the deception that starts plaguing this country to the north. And what does Jehoshaphat do? Jehoshaphat closes the borders. He protects his people. Not from the threat of physically, but from the idolatry of his people. He protects them. 
All right. So the question is then, okay, so what do we do with that? Jesus is our king. And Jesus is protecting his people from idolatry. And that's our, we, we are the kingdom right here. We are the, the kingdom of Judah, the people of God. And we have to recognize that out there is a foreign kingdom with foreign gods. We need to make sure and ask our God to protect us, our king to protect us from idolatry. That out there, there's the God of comfort, the God of money, the God of, of self-righteousness and, and self-glorification, the God of beauty and vanity. And, and it's scary because we can bring those into the church. And we can make the church all about ourselves. We can make it just like the kingdom out there. But thankfully, our, our king, our king is protecting us from that. He's protecting us. Second, a good king protects himself from idolatry. He protects himself from idolatry. Look at verse 3. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the earlier ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the practices of Israel. Therefore, the Lord established the kingdom in his, right, in his hand, and all Judah brought tribute to Jehoshaphat, and he had great riches and honor. All right. Jehoshaphat the king, he was obedient. He obeyed the commandments, he knew the commandments, and he carried them out. He refused to, to worship these idols. He refused to bow down to them. And what was the result? Riches and honor that his kingdom is established because of his obedience, because he rules and because he rules well. Now, this is why it's so important that we don't see ourselves as Jehoshaphat. Because then I would tell all of you, if you want to establish your kingdoms, go be incredibly obedient. All right, that's not the point. That's heretical, all right? That's not how it works. Instead, what do I say? I say that Jesus, our king, he was obedient. He did not give in for a second to idolatry. That he stood before Satan, and what did Satan say to him? You know, just, just bow down to me, and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. And what did he say? You shall worship your, your one God alone. He refused to worship. He refused to bow down. And that's how our kingdom was established is because our king is righteous and our king will not give in to idolatry. Our king will never stop. That when he stood in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was sweating blood. There's a passage that says that you, you have not yet obeyed to the point of shedding blood. Jesus has. He obeyed to the point of shedding blood, shedding his blood for us so that he could establish his kingdom, so that he could earn the honor and the glory of this kingdom here. Thankfully, we are not told to do that. I'm not going to go tell you to do that. Jesus has already done it. He is our king. He has done, our, he has done the work. That's why we trust that this kingdom will not fall. 
that no matter what comes against us, we will stand because it rests upon Jesus' righteousness, not our own. He protected his heart from idolatry. But finally, finally, what does a good king do? He battles the idolatry in the hearts of his people. Look at verse 6. His heart was courageous in the ways of the Lord, and furthermore, he took the high places and the ashram out of Judah. All right, so a good king is courageous. A good king doesn't give in to his people. And King Jehoshaphat, he tore down the high places. All right, so what does that mean? That means that in Judah, the people had created these altars, usually at the tops of mountains. That's why they're called the high places. Altars to Baal and, and Asherah, these false gods. And a good king a good king like Jehoshaphat goes up to these high places and tears them down. He burns them down. He crushes them into pieces. All right, what does that mean for us? This is the hardest part about our king. Our king comes into our lives. He comes into our hearts and he tears down the high places. He crushes the idols. He polarizes them so that we might have, be able to worship the one true God. Now, what is it like to, to have your idols destroyed? All right, whenever I feel like God has rejected me the most, when I can't see his face, I feel like he's not doing anything in my life, that's when he's probably most active destroying the idols in my life. When you're most frustrated with God, in areas of your life where you feel most discontent, like nothing ever changes, nothing ever goes the right way, he's probably tearing down the high places in your life. The things that are being replaced, that are replacing God, the Baals and the Asherah. But we trust our king to do that because we know that the worship of God is better. That there are real gods out there that are not, not these false gods that we've created false altars for. This is what a good king does. And so I ask us now, what idols is King Jesus destroying in your life? He's doing it because we all have them. We all have them. I ask that we'd have eyes to see what, what our king is doing. All right, second point. Second point. A good king, so he fights idolatry. Second, a good king, he teaches the word of God. He teaches the word of God. Look at, look at verse 7. I'm not going to read these ra- names because you don't care, and I don't care either. So just, let's just skip over those. Uh, but these are real people. They have real names. And these are real names, so that's why they're so awkward. Um, in the third year of his reign, he sent his officials, these guys, to teach in the cities of Judah. And with them, the Levites. And with these Levites, the priests, Elishama and Jehoram. All right, yay. Um, and they taught in Judah, having the book of the law of the Lord with them. They went about through all the cities of Judah and taught among the people. All right, this is a king who's committed to the word of God. He's committed to the word of God. And oddly enough, 
This is one of the few places in the Bible that talks about people being taught the word. That usually a, a king, a king, his responsibility is he's supposed to get a copy, a copy of the first five books of the Bible, and he's supposed to write his own transcript. That's kind of the way of checking that the king knows the laws. He can't, he can't feign ignorance about any of this stuff. But Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat doesn't stop there. That he goes and he gets his, his people, his, his officials, the Levites, the priests, to go out into the towns and teach the people the word. Now, why is that so important? If you're going to tear down the high places, you need something to replace them. That the people are going to worship. And if they don't get the word of the Lord, they're going to fall back into idolatry. And he wants his people to know God. Now, what, what does it mean by the, the book of the law of the Lord? All right, it doesn't mean that they went and told them all the rules. It, went, it means that he went and told them the, the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, the history. And the point was that these people would know who God really is, what he'd done for them, the history of salvation. So when they tried to worship God, they weren't worshiping an unknown God, but one that they knew, one that they loved, one that they could see had blessed them before and would bless them again. All right. What does this have to do with Jesus? What does this have to do with you? Jesus loves the word. Now, it's kind of weird saying that because what is Jesus' name? He's the word. He's the living word of God. That Jesus was so committed to showing us who, the God, who God really was, so committed to showing us the Father, that he came down from the temple in heaven and came and walked among us. It says that he is the prophet, the prophet who, who preaches the word. He is the priest who teaches the word. That Jesus holistically wants to show us the Father. Now, my, my fear is, that we spend a lot of time fighting idolatry and trying to root sin and idolatry out of our lives, but we don't replace it with the real God. And then we're not as committed to the word. And so what do we have left to worship but idols? And that's where Jesus, Jesus wants us to know our God. He wants us to know what he has done for us. He wants us to know grace. He wants us to know his character. Now that's where I ask you, as the people of God, as the, the citizens of the kingdom of Jesus, how are you doing at, at learning the word? At learning the word? At sitting under the living word of God and coming to know this, this God for, for yourself? This is essential. And I know we're, we're Presbyterian, and we're supposed to be really good at this, but we're not that good at it. Um, and that's okay. We can get better. We really can. That's what our king wants for us, is to learn the word. All right. And that's where, that's where like, 
Jesus hasn't just left us alone. He's given us, he's given us the body. You're learning the word now. You're learning the word in small groups. You're learning the word in, in Bible studies together. Get with people and study the word. Talk to the word, about the word with each other. This is good stuff. Um, all right, finally, finally. What happens when a good king does this for his people? What happens? We find peace. We find victory. We find prosperity in God. Look at it says, verse 10. And the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the land that were around Judah, and they made no war against Jehoshaphat. Some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and silver for tribute, and the Arabians also brought him 7,700 rams and 7,700 goats. And Jehoshaphat grew steadily greater. He built in Judah fortresses and, and store cities, and he had large supplies in the cities of Judah. Now, because Jehoshaphat put worship and fighting idolatry and the word of God first, it creates, it creates peace, it creates prosperity, it creates blessings for the people of God. Now, that's the goal for Jesus. Is that he, he's trying to lead us to put worship first. To put the worship of God first, and then let God Himself give us that peace. And look at look at what that, how that peace is achieved. It's not it's not because of their great army. They have a great army. Later on, it says they have almost a million a million soldiers, but not a single one of those soldiers is fighting because the fear of the Lord is upon the nations. And instead of having to fight the nations, the nations are coming to the king and and giving him tribute. They are worshiping the king. They're being drawn to the king. Now that's the great beauty of when worship comes first. When it is all about worship. And Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat is learning that right now. Later in the story, he's going to forget that fact. He's going to put idolatry first. He's going to abandon the word of God. And he doesn't find that there is no peace, there is no prosperity, there is no blessing without God. And so, I would say, let's follow our king. That our king is calling us to be all in, all about the worship of God. That we would follow him in, in rooting out idolatry. That we follow him in, in receiving the word of God that we would love the worship of God more than anything else because that is where peace, that is where victory is found. Now, I say, this, I say this with a certain caveat because Jehoshaphat is going to fail and we are going to fail. We are going to fall into idolatry. We are not going to do this well. Your hearts are evil, so are my, my heart is, is more evil than, than all of us. And we're going to fall into idolatry. We're going to abandon our king. But further on in the story, we're going to see that, that this king also leads us in grace. All right, what am I asking you to do? What am I asking you to do? Follow the king. Follow the king. Let's pray.
Father, as we think about the call to put worship first um, and to battle idolatry and to, to love you and that when we do that, there is great peace and there is no need to fight anymore. Um, I realize that, that I'm a fool and we are fools, that we put a hundred other things first. And Father, we have, we have abandoned our king and this king who is gracious, this king who has been obedient for us, the king who has died for us and, and paid for our sins and who ultimately roots out idolatry by by dying for our idolatrous hearts. Father, I ask that you would bring us back to the, the kingdom and back to our king. Father, would you give us the freedom and the, the love that we had for Jesus at the first, the first day, that first moment that we believed. Would you restore us to that freedom? And Father, would you bring us into greater heights of, of peace and blessing as we worship you? We thank you for Jesus, our King. May he lead us in our worship. We pray in his name.